Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. Now, back to more Fred and Xander on ESPN 1000. There's a good bet from uh, the guys over at Points Bet. You can bet at a plus 600 that Tom Brady would throw exactly two interceptions. You think the Bears could pick Tom Brady twice tomorrow? It's a good chance. There's a possibility. I, I think I'd take that. At, what, what would it be for, let me see, what the, uh, there's got to be one for, uh, there's got to be one what, you would think for Fields. Touchdown? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's got Fields. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff. Points bet's got just odds all over the place. Yesterday, I took the the Bulls on points bet. I took the Bulls minus six and um, eight assists for Lonzo Ball. He had 10 assists, and they won by Look at 12. That. So, you and know. you won $10? I won 30. Oh, yeah, not bad. Wow. Yeah, for, for a $5 better, I won 30. So that was pretty good. 312-332-3776. Can the Bears pull the upset tomorrow? Will Fields continue to improve? Tayshawn Gibson's out. Yay. I have that written down here. Yay. Um, uh, Jimmy Graham will not play. He's on the uh, reserve COVID list. Uh, Damian Williams reinstated, so he will be in the backfield along with Khalil Herbert, and Akeem Hicks and, is out. And we'll probably see Horstead, right? I would think so. So far, I like that kid. There's uh, something about him. He looks so big in his uni- in his outfit. He looks like Charles Atlas. His arms are yeah. like, he can't move he's got them, that, but he he's got that He's got that long hair. Yeah. It's like a, a kind of very much a visual. I like him, too. Yeah. Was, um, um, How Barkish had Horstead to catch the first touchdown of a game? couple weeks ago at ridiculously high odds. I mean, ridiculously high odds. Made thousands and posted it. Right. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I'm a $5 guy. My my final point, and and again, I want to win. Well, your other points, for those just joining, your other two points were? It's uh, in-game adjustments. Okay. I I mean, we just have to see the Bears be able to do what the Packers did to us last week. We scored first on them. We really looked good. Yeah. They sat back. They made the in-game adjustment, and they locked us out. They just locked us out, changed the game totally. We've got to be able to do that. Uh, Bojack has to wrap his arms around someone. Uh And I will start with a hug on the sideline. At least I know his arms work. Right. You know, they're fine. Hug yeah. somebody on the sideline, make sure it's on camera. Yeah. That's a step in the right direction. I'm not thinking we're, we're going to win. You know, we know who we're playing. We know what this guy can do. But I will take it as a victory, even though it's not official, if we prevent him from throwing the four touchdowns that he wants to throw so he puts up a four to the camera. That is a victory to me right there. I'm afraid he's so, like, man-possessed that he's going to try to do that in the first half. Yeah. I, think I know that's he's going to try. We to just do. have to. We have a defense. Yeah. Well, you kind of. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. So that is what I will take that as a W. It's not going to be an official W, but I will take that as a W. Yeah. He, Small uh, steps, Fred. He's got some guys. Now, Gronk is out. If Gronk was playing, I would say that Gronk would have like two touchdowns. But Gronk's not playing. He's out, but he's really been finding uh, his receivers. He's not been throwing to Chris Godwin for some weird reason, but Evans has been catching like a couple touchdown passes each week, it seems. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's been catching the ball. They don't run the ball a whole heck of a lot. And if they have to run and get those touchdowns, and it's not four passes, four touchdowns for Brady's arm, that's a victory for me. I just see what the odds are for that. Uh, Tom That's Brady what I was saying. Ford. I wonder. There's got to be. Oh yeah, some specific passing touchdowns uh, for Brady. 
it should be more. I just, for some reason, I can't maneuver on the site here. But, uh, yeah, he, he has, well, we have interceptions, uh, receiving touchdowns, props. Um, it takes a little while to get through of all of them because there's like 280 uh, different bets. Portsmouth has so many I know, props. I know. So Which many. is great because that's you can a, just pull one fun. out. That's, yeah. that's the fun of it. For baseball, the baseball playoffs, I do the same thing. I have You pull a guy to get an RBI. You have a guy to get you know a home run or something like that, and those always pay off. Um, the Bears are, are, according to points bet, the Bears are 11.5-point underdogs. So you get 11 and a half. Could the Bears keep it within 11 and a half? No, I don't know. No? No. no. <laughs> okay. No. It's you, almost one of those don't touch games. I'm I not, know. I'm really, I, the, to me, the defense can, can. Yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? They can make this less than a two score game, right. but it, I'm it, not going to yeah. bet the, yeah. the, fourth, the house on it. Yeah. Question for you guys as Bears fans. So for the last, what, three, four years, we have been panning Nag- Nagy really hard because it's play calling. It's right. really easy to judge him. He's, he's not a good play caller. Now that he is just the managing of the team, how do you judge Matt? Is it strictly wins and losses, or how are we judging Matt Nagy now? You know, that's a great question. We, in the past few weeks, we've been laying off of him. He must been be sleeping a lot better. I think the only way I could judge him is if, if the guys get better. If we see improvement from not yeah. only fields, all of it, all of it, all I of want it. To see and, and those Moody. coaches are under Matt, and he's got to, you know, in a hierarchy. In if you're in a business, you have the top manager, then you have the managers below, right. and everything flows downhill. And that top manager ultimately is responsible for everything. Now I know we're talking about pace here, but let's bring it down to the field. You have Matt Nagy, you have your offensive coordinator, you have your defensive coordinator. Right. You need to watch over them and make sure everything is working that's what a head coach does so yeah i think it's overall grade on what is happening including the development of justin fields because right now that's the most important for the future you know what uh, you know what eric you know what a uh, nice thing would be is if the bears were not forced to call a timeout because they can't get a play in uh and also if if robert quinn who's having a great season already okay robert quinn's having such a good season compared to what he was last year where you didn't even know he was there um if he would not jump offside in the very first play of the game last week the very first play of the game they blew the whistle before aaron Rodgers had a chance for the snap because robert quinn jumped offside he's just so damn excited and you know i i couldn't get mad at him because the way he's playing has been tremendous passion he's excited you know uh who is it uh edwards is he the one getting oh my into God. trouble? He's got three. He's got three unsportsmanlike conduct or unnecessary no, roughness no, or whatever. Look, look I In get the last one two play. weeks. Right, I get if there's one play, but you have to choose your battles. You know, you can't go. Yeah. You can't die on the hill every time. And yeah, that's a problem. Well, that's here, a problem because it gets us into bad situations. I ripped them and criticized. Well, here's what they're doing: they're prolonging drives because for some reason, every time they get called for a pass interference, it's on third down. They you get it's third and six. You hold a guy for three, and then you get a, you know unsportsmanlike conduct penalty and they prolong the drive. Yep. You can't prolong drives. And I keep hearing about how the defense is playing so much better. But last week, the defense allowed up more than 150 yards rushing. That's not good defense. No, and I was surprised. That I was surprised the Packers were able to run the ball to the degree that they did against the Bears. And it's very concerning. But that's part of the make the in-game adjustments. How do you do that? What do you have to do? You you see that Aaron is obviously, uh, you know, he's a weapon with his arm. 
But then all of a sudden they're running the ball yeah. with an Aaron Rodgers. I know. Well, it's because they saw weakness. Now we have to adjust to that and stop that in game. And it seemed like it just keep kept getting worse. Yeah. The other thing that you you know you talk about adjustments and you said pregame adjustments or during game adjustments, not pregame. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. You want to jump in talking some Bears and Bucks here on ESPN one thousand. Um, the Packers threw a quick little slant route to Alan Lazard. And then later in the game, they threw another quick little slant route to Alan Lazard. Exact same play. <laughs> right. The Bears never run the same play twice. Now, other than a run here and there, okay, a run up the middle, a run here, a run. That's one thing. They never run the same well, pass routes and why? at the same time. Why? Because they they know that somebody's going to see that. They're going to figure that out, maybe. But that's okay. You're so, but then you got to just beat the guy. But I get I that. Know. I get that. But that's that's their thought process, seemingly. It's the worst thought process it in the world. Is. If is. a play works, you don't say, well, that's great. We'll use that again next week. No, that's great. We'll use it again two quarters from now. Use it until it doesn't work. Oh, my God. I'm so frustrating when you watch and the Packers do it all the time a little screen pass here a little slant off the line here now Lazard beat Xavier Crawford for the slant route early in the game who I didn't know who the hell he was um they beat him for the for a quick slant route later in the game he beat Kendall Vildor exact same route yep a little quick slant off the line the Bears don't run ball over the middle after the game last week if you listen to Justin Fields, they asked him, "How did uh, you know? How did you guys go about getting Cole Komet more into the uh, offense?" He said, "We had more plays for him this week." What? After it's week <laughs> right, six, right. week six last week of his second year in the NFL, and you finally had more plays called for him. And then you could what just see hell? you could just see the coaching staff kind of shake their head, and it's like, "Well, Justin, thank you for being honest. He's because, being very but he honest. Is being honest, yeah. right? They He's had more like, plays called for him, right?" And that's what he can do. I mean, he, they threw to him down the middle of the field. That's where tight ends can catch the ball. And holy cow, he's athletic with the ball in his hand. Like, what a good idea crazy? to use that man the ball in his hand. I know. And now he has, just goes back to remember Nagy. You know, we, we've just got to get the ball I know. to him. Uh, oh, you mean you've got to design more plays yeah. and put them... You know, act, yeah. act, make them act. They have the plays. They just don't call yeah, them. Yeah. It's like, I mean, back in the day, even Dick Geron used to have to say that. They would ask them, why didn't this? Well, we we need to get him more involved in the offense. Well, you're the guy that does that. Yeah, you are the guy that we, makes sure he yeah, can. No, yeah. you do. And now Matt Nagy really has to do it. I'm looking forward to, you know, Cole Komet maybe having a nice game tomorrow. Uh, now they'll be able to run the ball with not only Khalil Herbert, but also Damian Williams, who mm-hmm. can play. Um you know, your thoughts, 312-332-3776. Talk a little more Bears, and we got some White Sox talk. Steve Stone and the Sox broadcaster shared some thoughts on what the White Sox need to improve on after they go out three games to one in the and American League Division Series. Too. Yeah, some tremendous points. If you get a chance in the Sun-Times, Daryl Van Scowen's article, and uh, really good stuff. So we'll talk about that in just a little bit. You want to talk some more Bears? We're here for you. Fred and Xander here on ESPN 1000. <laughs> You're listening to Fred and Xander. This is Chicago's home for sports. Live stream ESPN 1000. Or take a listen to our other shows on demand. It's the all-new ESPN Chicago app. So the Bears and Bucks tomorrow afternoon, 325 kickoff. Don't forget when the game's over, I'll be here to take your post-game calls. See if the Bears can keep it close. Um, 
We do know what happened last year when Tom Brady wasn't sure how many outs there were, and he was walking around holding up the four hey, fingers. Downs. You downs. said outs. Outs. You said that baseball. I got brain. baseball in my mind. Yeah, we, we'll get baseball later on tonight. Uh, as Max Scherzer's got a dead arm, and they say maybe he can go next. Maybe he can go tomorrow. Well, if he's got a dead arm, I don't know if he can go tomorrow. <laughs> no, yeah, so, like, what are y'all praying for a miracle? Yeah. yeah How so, does that happen? So the Braves can actually win. They're up three games to two. And uh, the Braves send uh, Ian Anderson later on tonight. Oh, is he playing the flute? Yes, he is. He'll be playing the flute and, and trying to get him out. he'll be doing locomotive breath yeah. and all the classics. When he strolls out, they play War Child. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then he has no idea. We're talking about Jethro Tull. Yeah, <laughs> he has no idea what's going on at that point. Uh, 312-332-3776. Tom Brady did talk about his thoughts of last year's game when the Bears won in uh, that fourth down situation. Yeah, that's... Uh seems like a long time ago but actually it wasn't that long ago so yeah that was that that hasn't happened very often in my career for some reason that happened at that moment um but yeah that was a tough loss and I think we learned a lot from that loss that last year there was a lot of self-inflicted issues there was a lot of penalties there was a lot of miscommunications there was a lot of things that weren't clean and then ultimately we have a chance to win the game in two minutes by going down and kicking a field goal and we don't get the job done so penalties not coming through in critical situations. I think something that we've come through in critical situations, we've cut down on the penalties, but you know, it's, you got to stress that and continue to stress that all the time. It's not like that's ever a finished subject either. You know, you got to work at it every day. And that's why, you know, you got to sharpen your skills. You got to, you take, you take nothing for granted. You come out here every day with the mindset, you're going to work to improve and get better and gain the trust of your teammates and coaches. And, you know, you can't, you know, take the foot off the gas at all. You just got to, you got to put it in every day. You got to prove to everybody what you want to become. And that's why it's so weird. It's like you almost have to be a star quarterback before you can yell at your teammates for screwing up. Dan Marino used to yell at his guys. Uh, Tom Brady yells at his guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I gets in their face and yells right at them. But if you're not a star quarterback for some reason, you can't do it. Well, one one year, Jay Cutler puts his hand on the the, the guard because he screws up. And he got, you know, vilified. I mean, come on. Well, well, yeah, He's look, a big football player. You think Jay's going to hurt him by grabbing him by the shoulder? Well, look, everybody's got their egos. And the only way I guess that they can listen is to be talked to by somebody who's been there and done way more than they have. Yeah. Which, which I kind of get, but it's unfortunate because everybody should be lifting each other up. On a team situation, yeah, they should. And 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 look, but that part of that process is to say, hey, this is what I called. Yeah. You gotta you gotta stick with the plan here, right? And you should be able to hear that without getting all bent out of shape. Yeah, yeah, and it happens quite often. You see it sometimes with coaches, coaches getting in guys' faces and screaming at them and yelling at them, and then they go over and pat them on the hell helmet and say, you know, fix, you know, get this straight and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, Brady's the guy that yells at his, uh, his receivers. And I'm sure last year, going back to that game, something doesn't work out. He gets in their face. He yells. He sits I on the bench. He throws his helmet. him and said, why don't you know what down it is? Yeah. Well, afterwards, he probably, he probably ate that one. He probably said, you know what? That was on me. But the thing with Justin Fields is Justin Fields doesn't have much emotion, good or bad, right now. I think he's still in the situation he's where he's learning everything. Mode, my well, <laughs> probably it probably is survival that mode is with him. Something you're hearing more and more from Hallis Hall from the reporters and the national people is that 
he's starting to gain his voice within the within the locker room, within the clubhouse, within the meeting rooms, and on the field. Like he's he's started like, all right, this is my team. So he's right. really You're starting right. to and, get into that. And that's and that's what we need. And and his voice was also telling a reporter we didn't have enough plays for him. Yeah. About Cole Komet. Right. That's his voice. Yeah. And and Matt, I'm sure, is uh, like, uh-oh, because he is going to gain that confidence game by game, and he is going to be the leader, and Matt is going to fade into the background whether he likes it or not. And the man has an ego. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. Oh, you mean Matt Nagy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. A little bit of an ego, I'm sure. All every Everybody in sports, they all well, have. And, and, and to a point, it's healthy. But, you know, when we were told what an offensive guru it is, and I was on with Waddle at that point. I said, who started that? And and we couldn't figure it out. It might have been Matt. I think it was Ryan Pace. I think it was it Ryan Pace. Was Ryan Pace. Probably, was. It was probably yeah. Pace. Mm-hmm. And, and so they were the ones to create this narrative and then echo this narrative. Yeah. And talk about, you know, words before action. Yeah. So we were led to believe something that never actually happened. Yeah. It, it's it's And the way they're running... It's such a weird situation being a Bears fan because you had mentioned it earlier that you're not looking for them to win games. You're just looking for them to get better. Little victories and get better. But it's right. difficult for players because players want to win because you're Allen Robinsons, you're Khalil Max, you're Robert Quinns, um, stuff like that. They want to win. You're Danny Trevathans, you're Roquan Smiths. They want to win the game, uh, but they're not getting enough passes thrown their way. They're not, you know, Allen Robinson. I was just going to look it up in the stats. I haven't had a chance, but he hasn't had hardly any catches this year. How's he going to get a better deal when he's going to have what? Well, what will he end the season with? Fifty-five, sixty catches. Uh, that's I a mean, great, and that's a great point, and that's a that's a side narrative to what is going on. And you're right. Every player, if you're in pro sports, you want to win. But us as fans, I think if we're going to be realistic, we want to see slow and steady improvement. Because we know that we are not going to win the Super Bowl this year. I think we can all agree on that, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So it's slow and steady improvement that we want to see. And if we're seeing Justin Fields gain his voice slowly but surely and gain that progress and learn and not repeat mistakes, that is the best we can hope for because you know we just don't have enough to take it where it needs to go this year. We'll see what happens next year, but I get it. The players want to win, and that's why they have to play to win. It's it's amazing when you look at the stats here, and I'm going to find a better page because the Bears, the page is crap. Um, but Darnell Mooney. They leads, only tell you what they want you well, to Well, Darnell Mooney <laughs> leads the Bears in receiving yards with 306 through six weeks. It, it's a little bass backwards, isn't it? Allen Robinson has 234. Right. I mean, it's just... you. you this from the offensive genius. This from the guy who was going to change the way the Bears fans looked at their offense. And it's just not happening. And now it's confused because they want to be able to work Justin Fields in and they want to try to still win games. Right. So And in Lasers no guru, but it's an improvement, seemingly. If yeah. that's who's making the calls. I mean, it's got to be, right? How could it be so night and day? We had callers. We um, have some flow now. We had callers on Sunday uh, after the game, and then on Monday, too. People were calling and asking. Um, Matt Nagy looked like he was looking at his uh, Denny's menu uh, as he was walking around like he was calling plays. And the thing is, he can always change a play. The call, The play goes through his headset. 
to the quarterback's headset. So he always knows what the play is going to be. Right. So he can always change that. Well, hopefully or, he's not getting in the way too much. Yeah, I wouldn't think he is. Uh, I would sure, certainly hey, hope look, he is. Look, we, we, we all can pretty much figure out that at some point, remember a few weeks ago when he was all about Dalton and I'm, I'm play, calling the plays, Dalton's my guy, and then the next day it was like, Justin Fields is our guy. And We all know that somebody, Ryan, came in and said, this is what you're doing. That's enough. This is what you're doing. Something happened Yeah, to change that narrative. David Montgomery's been out for two games. He still has more yards than anybody else on the team. Okay. Darnell Mooney has 306 yards receiving on 25 catches. Allen Robinson, through six games, has 21 catches. 21 catches for your number one receiver. Now, does a, this is really... Uh, Conspiracy type stuff. is 14. This is a conspiracy type stuff. But does a football team do that when they want to drive down somebody's value? I don't think I don't think so. Not early in the season. Late in the year, maybe. Okay. If a guy's okay. trying to get to 100 or trying to get to something that kicks in their salaries and stuff like that, I would not be surprised if that happens. But this is your guy. Allen Robinson's the guy. Now, granted, he may get double teamed, he may get triple teamed, and he's a guy that's sure, got to figure out Sure, he's our biggest target. So right. I would imagine some of that is playing into that, not going with the obvious. And we have tools, of, as you said, Darnell Mooney. We have somewhere else to go. Yeah, but it have, does it, it does leave questions. They have three receiving touchdowns, and as you mentioned earlier, Jesper, Jesper Horstead's got one of them. I like the kid. Yeah, that was from Justin Fields. Yep. that was Fields' first touchdown yep. pass. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. I, I I think the Bears will play hard. That's the one thing you have to say, no matter what you think. You know, play hard, not tackle well. Um, they'll play hard. They played hard for Matt Nagy. They they're not out there. They're not out there giving up. They're not out there not playing hard. Right. They always seem, and that's what most coaches, and I mean coaches, not offensive or defensive coaches, most head coaches that don't do one or the mm-hmm. other, that's mm-hmm. what they do. They make sure their guys play hard for them. And that's, you know, where Matt, and that's where Matt's sweet spot really is. Yeah. And he said since then, oh, I really enjoy looking over everything. It's like, yeah. oh, do you think? Yeah, I, I wish you would have realized that a lot earlier. On last week's pregame show, I know Dion Miller, who uh, has a chance to be up there uh, during the week and things like that, says it, it appears that Matt is enjoying himself running over here to talk to the receivers and going here and talk to the defense and over here to talk yeah, to the secondary. Being an actual head coach and not an OC. If I would go in and talk to the secondary, I would just ask Eddie Jackson. I'd say, here, give me your hands. And I see you see these things. You can wrap these around people. These things, these arms that yeah. your hands are attached yeah. to. Are they numb? Let yeah. me shake them. Are you, you can, can wrap, you feel this? You can, can you wrap them this? around people, and it would actually be very, very cool. Hey, or if not you can a, make some tackles. It's like Eddie, hug me. Yeah, hug me. Let me show you something. Yeah. Give me a hug. Give me a hug. Give me a bear hug, if yeah. you will. And now this is how you. Uh, this, this is how, how we want you, you to tackle it. the guys. This is how you. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We're going to talk some White Sox baseball because something really, really cool happened. On this day in White Sox history. We'll talk about that. We come back. This is Fred and Xander on ESPN 1000. And now on Digital FM at 100.3 HD2. This is Chicago's home for sports. Hot set, Nick hits one to deep right center field. Back at the wall. Seven to six. Ah, that was Joe Buck on the call back in 2005 on October 23rd. 
Scotty Pesetnik with a home run to finish up Game 2 of the World Series as the White Sox go on to uh, sweep the Astros and win the World Series in 2005. That was um, 16 years ago. Yes, that's right. Yep. 16 years ago, and uh, the White Sox were back in the playoffs this year playing the Astros. Hey, we got uh, playoff uh, appearances two years in a row. Yeah. First time ever. Yeah. First time ever. You know, that's such a sad stat right there. Yeah. Well, and you also got to realize, too, there were only um, up until 68. I think up till 68, it was just the World Series. Right. You won won the American League or you won the National League. But still, since 67. In 67, the White Sox were really close, and they finished fourth, but just three games out. And the last two weeks of the season were crazy. I remember I was 10, and um, they lost. The Sox lost like three games to the Washington Senators or something who, who, like that. Who was on, who was on the 67? 67, uh, Joe Horland threw the no-hitter. Uh, you had um, someone said Wilbur Wood. I think if, if he was on the, there, he was in the bullpen. Um, that, it seems early for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought so, too. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, no, it was it? I can't remember all the guys now on the '67 team, but uh, it was fun. Uh, they were fun watching back then. And um, yeah, twenty-five-year-old Wilbur Wood was in the bullpen. Okay, he was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because before they made him a starter, um, and then he would pitch both games with a doubleheader. Yeah, some other guys. What was the starting yeah. infield? Uh, starting infield. So uh, first base, Tommy McCraw. Yeah. Second base, Wayne Causey. Causey. Yeah. Shortstop Ron Hansen. Oh, God, he sucked. Third base, uh, Don Buford. And then outfield, Peter Ward, Tommy Age, and Ken Barry. Agee. Tommy Agee was the rookie of the year Tommy Agee, for the White sure. Sox in 1963. And Ken Barry was the, one of the best. Oh, yeah. Ken, Ken Barry made some of the greatest catches yeah. uh, in, at Comiskey Park history. He would jump up when they had the 400 feet. Uh, the 400-foot fence in center field, and then the bullpens after that. He'd go up, catch the ball, and fall over to the other side. And he was he was tremendous. I remember watching him as a kid. So, um, yeah, they were they were a fun team to watch. When I was ten, um, but anyway, this year's team was a fun team to watch for the most part. And guys that watched all of it, the broadcasters for the White Sox, Steve Stone, Jason Benetti, also uh, Len Casper and Darren Jackson. Well, some of those guys had a chance to talk to Daryl Van Scowen the other day. And it was in the paper today. The headline of the article is, Rough Edges to Smooth, Sox Broadcasters Share Thoughts on Team, which Stone says suffered frequent lapses with fundamentals. And... My biggest thing with fundamentals is these guys have played baseball their whole life. These are things that we, we're sitting watching games. We're not pros and we know these things. But I guess as a professional, coaches have to drill these in the guys' heads so much. Isn't it crazy? It's the same, a lot of the same They're stuff that, that was drilled into our heads as we played Little League. Eric played baseball. Eric, is there, are there any things that, that guys don't do that you'd, you've never heard of before? It's like these are all simple things. No, for the most part, it's it's all like baseball and the mechanics of baseball hasn't changed no, for the no. most part. Like the swing trajectory now, people that's are saying, right. yeah, that's, that's different about it. And then pitchers trying to get as much spin on the baseball right, as possible. Right. But now, and that's that, an analytical but, thing. But yeah. positioning the way you're, you know, you're in the field, you know, keeping the ball in front of you, you know, all of that as you're catching, make sure to angle. I mean, I I remember being a catcher yeah, as all a kid. That stuff still you make remains. sure to angle yourself so if the ball gets away. Way, it hits your chest, you keep it in front 
of you. You don't backhand. Yeah, it, it was frustrating. We saw that. Yeah, it was very, very frustrating. So in the article... Steve Stone, again, if you get a chance, listen to the, I posted it on Twitter earlier this week, the Chuck Garfine interview, the White Sox Talk podcast, and uh, Steve Stone was on. It was a great, It was a, it great, was a long one, too, but it was about just 45 minutes, maybe a little longer, yeah. With information, Is good it, info. Stone, the team's analyst, said the Sox house has strong bones, but he alluded to missteps on the little things that make a big difference in wins and losses, factors that showed up during the season and in the three, losing three out of four in the ALDS. Um for Stone, listen to this now. Missing cutoff men, throwing home from outfielders when there wasn't a play, not completing double plays, pitchers failing to keep runners close, catchers not blocking balls, and doing their part to defend against stolen bases all need attention. And every one of those are the simple things that you can work on over and over and over and over and over right. and over and over again. Right. Now, now, obviously... The the idea of uh, you know not being able to throw out runners, yeah. it's tied to the pitchers. Yes, they're not keeping them on. So we can complain about Grandal not having a good percentage of throwouts right. in second, but his pitchers not doing him any favors. Well, here's here's to show you to tell you about that. Um, boo, 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 boo. I got some of this. Let's see. The White Sox ranked twenty sixth in defensive runs saved. They allowed 119 stolen bases, the most in the majors. It's terrible. So, because oftentimes it's turned into runs. I don't know if you have the stat in front of you, but uh, I probably, maybe 50% of that turned into runs. Well, no, I don't have that stat here. They did have 97 errors. That was the sixth most in the majors. They posted a 983 fielding percentage, which was ranked 27th out of 30 teams. Now, we love our Tim Anderson, but I'll tell you, after watching um, Altuve... At short, I realize how Correa, much... Correa at short, Altuve at second. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, right, right. But, okay, either one of them. Right. You you just see what it really is like to have crazy defensive skills. Yeah. Now, the White Sox strikeout rate was 10.58 per nine innings, second best in the American League to the Brewers. Okay. Um, then you've got... Benetti said that doing the stat cast shows... Uh, that I do on ESPN makes it difficult for me to watch ground balls offensively. The White Sox were third in baseball, 46.1%. They were the only team in the top 12 in ground ball percentage to make the playoffs. Their slugging percentage in the league on ground balls is 266. Slugging the ball is really important. Uh, he goes further on. Tim Anderson's ground ball rate was 55%. Mm-hmm. Now, T.A. had a lot of good games. He had a lot of three-hit games down the season. He hit 300 and all that. But if he put the ball in the air, he'd do even better. Yep. Okay. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, ground ball rate, 48%. Abreu, 46%. Hit into 28 double plays. Right. These are all things that need to be worked on, and that's where the launch angle and 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 everything else comes in. Look, if he's going to hit it on the ground, chances are... He's going to get doubled up. He's not yeah, fast. No, I mean, no, he's yeah. not. And the one thing that Abreu does that I've always loved is he goes the other way when there's men on base so yep. he can drive guys in. Yep. And he does it quite often. Um, let's see. Len Casper said, as disappointing as it was to lose to the Astros, overstating what happened in this series could 
could be really dangerous because the biggest strength of this team is their starting rotation. They didn't get long starts from anybody. Are there things to improve? Absolutely. But I don't think connecting it to the loss to the Astros is the smartest way to do it. It was only four games. And if there is something about the postseason, there is this misnomer about all the little things. The Sox didn't do all the little things well. But if they had hit like four more homers, they'd still be playing. Home runs do matter. And that's where the ground ball rate comes in. Now, mm-hmm. I disagree with him a little bit because the pitchers you the pitchers gave up 13 free passes. I'm talking about the starting pitchers for the yeah. White Sox. Yeah. Okay? The starting pitchers of Lynn, Giolito, Cease, and Kopech gave up 13 free passes. Now, they the longest one was Giolito, who went four and a third innings. Everybody else went less than four innings as a starter. <laughs> Terrible. And two of them went less than three innings right. as a starter. And you look at it, of those 13 free passes, nine scored. See, that's, that's why I'm... T- right. The dreaded right. leadoff walk yep. that Hawk Harrelson will talk about all yep. the time. This White Sox team did it. And one of the things that Eric watched every White Sox game, he was here as the producer for White Sox baseball, and you look at it, Eric, and so many times the White Sox would get the 0-2 count, and then they would nibble. That was actually something oh. that Larusa brought up when he was asked at the end of the series. Like, what is the one thing that stood out to you about getting, getting beat by Astros? Yeah. So he's like, he's like two-strike hitting. We couldn't do it. We couldn't, and we couldn't finish them. Like one, right. two strike hitting, we were chasing. Yep. And then them, they were waiting. They yeah. were waiting, and then they got so many two strike hits because they changed their approach and they don't swing and miss. No, you, they don't. You know, it's funny you bring that up because I think that that was Dylan Cease's problem the whole season. I agree. Is he would somewhere get I got somebody find behind? Yeah. He would get behind, and then he would try to. Paint this, uh, you know, or paint the corner. O. He'd get ahead over, oh, too. Yeah. I, meant, I, yeah. I didn't mean behind. I meant ahead. And he would try to nibble at the corner, and he wasn't getting uh-huh. it. It's like you have to go full tilt after them. And you can't be worried about if they hit you. That's no. what you have fielders for. Exactly what you have fielders for. And so I've, I've got to find the stats sometime this offseason. Um, the pitcher in the major leagues, the starting pitcher in the major leagues who had the most 3-2 counts. Because it seemed like Dylan Cease has to be up there. It, he has always, to, and that's why to. his pitch count got so high. Yeah, that's, and that's exactly why he right. Go that's longer. why he he had a few long starts, but not many. Yeah, Steve Stone went on to say there is not that much of a difference between the Sox and Astros, but there is a difference, and the difference is almost without exception. When a double play is turned, they turn it. If you don't, a good team will bury you with that, and you saw that quite a bit. Stone would like to see Anderson fix his footwork around second base on double plays. Yep. He never hopes to see Jimenez airmail a throw home from left field again. Now, I see that with a lot of players in baseball. They all think they're got, they've are got they got the arm that's going to be able to throw the guy out at home. I, oh, didn't Goodwin have a real nice uh, put out? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah there's some. Right, right, and there's some, but no, you're right. Fundamentals is hitting the cutoff man. Yeah. That's simple. We used to get yelled at sure. as kids. All you got to do is throw the ball low. You throw the ball low enough, and even if you don't think, you know, if you're not thinking about it, you just can't airmail everybody. You can't throw it way up in the air and airmail everybody. There will be a time or two when that happens, you throw a guy out, and that's the worst thing that can happen. Because Sammy Sosa used to do it all the time when he played for the Cubs. He would always think he could throw the guy out at home plate. The thing is, though, before before he got bulky... He could. Yeah, I know, but the worst thing that can happen is when you throw one or two guys right, out. and then you think you can do it all the time. All the I time. 312-332-3776. Not everybody could be Dwight Evans.
No, not anybody can be. There's a lot of good uh, outfielders in baseball. Actually, Kike Hernandez had a couple of nice, uh, real nice throws to the plate in that series, but he, like a lot of other people, including the White Sox, are watching the World Series as the Red Sox went down. Dodgers and Braves later on tonight. Walker Bueller's going instead of Matt, Max Scherzer. Scherzer's got a dead arm. Braves are just one win away from the World Series. We'll uh, mention what's been going on uh, at the United Center with the other team, not the Bulls, when we come back and also take a look at some poll results we had from a poll we threw up earlier today. 312-332-3776 on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. You're listening to Fred and Xander. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000. Every Saturday morning, we get the hockey show from 10 until 11 here on ESPN 1000. I missed and it today, but there's the podcast yep, up there you on the app. The, the hockey show on the ESPN Chicago app, which is a, the, a tremendous app. Anytime I want to listen to something that I may have said or listen to go back and from, it's really easy to find. Or you mean, Fred, when you're, you have to go over something because somebody said, did you say this? Uh, no, I usually remember most of the stuff, but sometimes I want to play it for other people, play it for my girlfriend, Linda, or something, and say, hey, you got to hear this guy and stuff like that. She does and, know you're on live, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know what I did, Does too? she listen to you live? I put, Hi, Linda. I put the ESPN Chicago app on her iPad, and I told her, I said, this is really easy, because instead of looking for a radio, yeah, sure. I said, just turn your iPad yeah, you on. Know, nowadays, you actually have to think, do I have a radio? Yeah, I know. I've got so <laughs> many of them in the house. It's crazy. Or if you have a smart speaker, you just ask the smart yeah. speaker, right. you know, play ESPN 1000, ESPN Chicago. But on her iPad, I said, hit this ESPN 1000, and when you hit it and it goes to it, it will automatically play just the live What's that? Because right you then. check the autoplay. Yeah, it's always checked unless oh, you, you check it off. Oh, you have to uncheck it. So that is yeah. the default, right. the autoplay. It defaults right. right to what's live. So she listened to the first hour of the show I did last week when I was doing the Bears postgame, which I'll do again tomorrow after the Bears and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, so, yeah. Does she air check you once you get home? In the business, that means you sit down with the boss. And yeah, no, she did. To she, go over everything that she talk. did say. I heard the one thing you said. I said, yeah, that guy got me mad, or you know, something like that. She, the one guy was funny. I said, yeah, we get a lot of that after a Bears loss, <laughs> right. especially to the Packers. Uh, so yeah, you can um, you can do all that. The the um, we have not talked. In, there were, we we mentioned the hockey show. Uh, Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle, um, the Blackhawks are oh four and one. Not, not what you would consider a good start. I'll tell you something. Uh, hockey season snuck up on any Sox fan. That appreciates both, right? Sure. Because, because we're paying attention to that. Sox go into the playoffs, all that. Soon as they were done, I realized the Hawks were playing, but it didn't seem like they, they were ready either for People the season. Say they're still not ready. They're still right. not ready. They are 0-4. That Penguins game was really tough to watch. And... Uh, you know, the Penguins, look, they don't have Crosby right now. It's still a solid team. And and there's no real slouches in the league. But then we take on the Islanders. Then we see the Canucks. You know, those are not, you know, high-profile teams. We're still, oh, and uh, no wins. All 4-1, right? All 4-1. And, one. Yeah. and uh, meanwhile, as uh, Jeremy Colleton is uh, very much on the hot seat with fans, but doesn't seem like it. You know, within the organization, we look down in Florida. A guy we know by the name of Quenville, right? He's four and zero. 
Yeah. And I thought that his old coaching ways don't work. I thought that we were moving into the future. The new type of coach. Well, the one thing that's good is Florida's given up only seven goals. Only one team in the uh, NHL has given up fewer, and they played one less game. Well, that helps. Yeah. That's all part of it. 18 goals in four games. The Blackhawks are nowhere near that. Plus, no. for some reason, no. Dylan Strom didn't play the first th- four games. He's, he's fighting for a, a job on the uh, on the team. Yeah. But I, I don't think that he's any savior. No, he did play last week. He did play the other game. Kubalik's got some goals. And um, look, I now Kane Kane actually didn't practice today. Either did Ryan Carpenter or Eric Gustafson because uh, they're COVID, in COVID protocol, protocol, which could mean that they have been around somebody right. that has had COVID. So they're just you know, well, we Kane we was around everybody because they had a had night for him celebrating his one thousandth sure game or whatever. Sure, so like sure. everybody came in contact and, and with, with Kane. The, and with the vax rate, yeah, you know, in hockey. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, there probably won't be too many serious. Hopefully, no serious cases. Right. Just yeah. a matter of time. The Blackhawks host Detroit tomorrow night at six at the United Center, and then Wednesday against Toronto at uh, six thirty. Now, you don't believe that Colleton is the problem. I don't. I I don't know how much a coach can get out of this team. Uh, well, do they, they have the players they've got? You know, they're trying to rebuild the defense. They got rid of guys see, like they had he, in the here, past. And this whole in this whole thing, you don't rebuild and sign a guy like Flurry who is on his way to retirement, right? And we grab him. Yeah, that's not a rebuilding thing. They're trying to do two things at once, which is the first problem. Secondly, Colleton is constructing the system of which they play, uh-huh. and we have to look at that. Well, the, the system he's putting together is not to not score goals. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 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 And but, it's not to let up others. Right. So is it is it the players failing the system or is it the system pl- failing the players? Yeah. Now, probably, let's remember Matt Nagy would try to use Trubisky yeah. in a way that he wanted, and he was trying to force him. I mean, we right. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. So how much do you adapt to the players that you have or or not? Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't have the answer to that, but those are the things you have to look at. Yeah, we probably should have got the Blackhawks talk a little bit earlier. Yeah, but that's okay. We'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll be here next Saturday. Yeah, we will, from 1 to 3 next Can Saturday. We maybe a, we'll maybe a couple victories to that point. Well, they played two teams. They played Detroit and Toronto, so we'll see what happens. Let's see how the uh, the uh, poll went that you threw up earlier today. And you didn't throw up earlier today. When you put the, you, <laughs> no, you put no, the I haven't. I no. did have some beers last yeah. night, but I held them down. Thanks for asking. Not with hams and PBR, you'll be fine. <laughs> I didn't have hams, but I thought about it. The yeah. PBR, I did rock some PBR. All right, uh, on uh, the Twitter poll, as a Chicago sports fan, are you more pissed off about the Bears or the Blackhawks? Right now, it's Blackhawks for me because you know uh, we have frustrations with the Bears, but we're seeing some progress. Right, right now, I don't feel like I mean even seeing some passion out of the front office. I don't feel like I'm seeing accountability. I don't feel like it just seems awfully passive. Yeah, let's let's see what the uh, response was. So this actually really surprises me. With fifty five percent of the vote, the Bears have higher percentage than the. But that's not much, though. But still, the fifty five Hawks yeah. have had no bright points so I know. far. So that yeah. surprised me. Yeah, the Hawks with forty five, and then uh, the Bears with fifty five. Yeah, and the game they did get the point, the the point in, and the overtime loss, which I think is the dumbest rule in all the sports. Um, they were down. They scored two goals in the last four minutes just to tie it. To get to overtime. Well, and you so. don't, you, you can't be putting yourself in that hole. No, you can't. Eric, thanks for all your help. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for everyone listening. And uh, don't forget, after the Bears game tomorrow, I'll be right here for you taking your calls here on ESPN 1000.